I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. There we go. This has become a bad habit of mine. I tend to get injured or something happens and I'm at this church and all of a sudden I've got a sermon to preach. About 15, 20 years ago, I actually had a seizure. I have a disorder. I have to take medication for it. Um, I had an event downstairs at the church. It wasn't three weeks later I had a sermon. I had to preach on jocularity in, in the Bible. Um, I had another time where I got injured down in the church. Um, it was like three weeks later I was doing, but you guys all know that, you know, a tree almost took me out last week, a couple of weeks ago, so. But I'm still here. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so, off to the races. One of the things that uh, I had been trying to prepare, because I knew that um, Pastor was going to be away, I carry around in my, uh, my Bible this little shard of paper. It's pretty torn and tattered. It's exactly what we just read previous. It's the Apostles' Creed. Um, some of you may be old enough to know who my grandfather was, my, my mom's dad, Preston Salisbury. Um, I remember enough of him to have glimpses of him as a, as a child. But what was in, always interesting to me was this creed, the Apostles' Creed, that he had hand-typed, had scripture verses next to each line in each stanza. And i got to say, even as a young adult, I spent little time looking those up. I just knew that he had either been in a class or he had looked those up himself and came through all of this stuff. So that's where we're going to be going today. Before I start, I just want to thank everybody for all the cards, the visitations, uh, for all the prayers that have helped lift me up. Um, I told my occupational therapist, uh, yes, just this past week, I said, you guys, you're going to have to keep up with me. And he says, why is that? I said, I've got two speeds, zero and 100. I said, there is no in-between. So um, he said, yeah, I can tell you're going to be a problem already. So, <laughs> um, If you haven't noticed already, some of the kit for the kids, there, uh, there's an extra little insert in your, um, in your package this week. There's a coloring book that kind of goes along with this. But it's pretty good for the adults, too. So if you want a copy of it, there's going to be probably some extras in the back later on. 
get myself here organized. Okay. So as I said, my grandfather's creed was something that kind of carried me quite a bit. Um, I've got a copy of his Bible uh, that he carried, and um, his name was Preston Salisbury. Um, I'm hoping my aunts are watching today, so hello. They were supposed to come today. Um, that would be two of his daughters. And uh, that would be Janice and Cheryl. just wanted to say hello. Um, and to my mom. She's watching too. Marie. So when I told Pastor Tom that I was going to consider doing a passage on the creed, he said, that's great. He says, that's, that's really good. He says, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, some background my, that I would suggest. He says, a creed is useful and good if it faithfully brings together and presents the biblical truth, if the basis of its authority is rooted in biblical testimony. And there can be an awful lot that can be taken from this one small creed. I mean, if you were to look up every last verse that might possibly correlate to all these things, it could be quite a long sermon set. Um, there was one gentleman I'll talk about a little bit later. He actually had five sermons on this. I'm not going that far. So I began to kind of contemplate, you know, we're a Bible-based, Christ-centered, spirit-led church. So why are we reading a creed? Why are we reading something as a statement? Are we allowed to do this? You know, is it okay? Because after all, you know, I've got friends that have told me that they've been to churches where they're not really reading the Bible at the pulpit. They're, they've all got a book, and they've maybe read the book this week, and it's more like a Bible study, but it's not really a Bible study because they're talking about something else, and they're trying to make the Bible fit into that. And that's where direction is really important. This Apostles' Creed must be in a direction where it's Scripture-supported, not the other way around. We don't make the Scripture fit this. Everything that is in this is a statement of faith for ourselves and how we as Christians, um, how, how it shapes our lives and how we can share with others what it is that we believe. So we're not preaching the creed. We're, we're using the creed as a tool to find scriptures that we can preach to others. And just as the Bible, what's pretty important is that we don't get to pick and choose bits and pieces of this that we believe and don't believe. You know, you kind of got to be into it 100% or not at all. Because as I had said earlier, I'm 0 to 100. I'm either all in or I'm all out. And with this creed, I'm all in. Um, some of the things that led up to me being interested in looking a little bit more into the creed, um, not necessarily promoting this movie, it was a, it's a movie based um, from the 60s. <clears throat> the name of the movie is Best of Enemies. Um, Sam Rockwell and Tari Henson, uh, the actors that are in this. And it's a movie that was based on the 60s and desegregation. It's a true life story. Um, I believe the, name, the gentleman's name was C.P. Lewis. He was a um, Ku Klux Klan leader. And in the 60s, what they were doing was they were trying to break the segregation and bring together communities. 
So what they were doing is they were actually having township meetings. And they brought leaders from both groups, the church groups, from the clans, from everything, and just brought them together and said, you people need to sit down and figure this out. What are your commonalities? How can you go about trying to live in a community together? You're going to have differences. You're going to have different beliefs. But you have a lot of similarities, and you need to find out what those are. And it, when I was watching that movie, I learned that the clan actually had a creed. I wasn't aware of that. It really makes sense. But as you watch this movie, it's not about that that's important to me. What was important was that after three weeks of meeting, these two enemies became best of friends. This man, who was the president of the Klan, true story again, he completely denounced everything and turned to the God because there was at least one line in that creed that he didn't believe anymore. He had found this woman who had told him things that he wasn't aware of. They had commonalities in the fact that they both grew up poor. They had commonalities in the fact that they both struggled in life to make ends meet. They both struggled to get their children good educations. So in that commonality, they found each other, but God drew them together. And what I really thought was interesting was the fact that just one line in that creed that he thought he believed, he no longer believed and gave it up. I don't want to ever have to be at that point because scripture is completely supporting this creed. And I know that everything in the Bible is truth. One of the other things that I find extremely interesting, God tends to orchestrate everything in your life. I'm not exactly sure if this is something that Emily did or if something that Pastor Tom did, but um, the scripture that we read this morning is the scripture that I was actually working with, and I haven't talked to him about what I was preaching or anything. So pretty interesting that God just kind of orchestrates everything. I woke up in the middle of the night after, uh, um, I think it was the first week I'd been home from the hospital, and I don't normally get the, such vivid pictures in my head of certain things. And for some reason, I kept seeing Romans 8.10, Romans 8.10, Romans 8.10. And I'm like, ah, I don't even know what it is. So I quickly grabbed my phone because I was not in any position to actually be even thinking about trying to look something up. But uh, so I started with Romans 8.10. I'm just going to go ahead and read it here. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. It really didn't mean an awful lot to me at the time that I was reading it, but then as I began to move forward and read the rest of the scriptures, I moved into Romans 10, and I got kind of stuck in this Romans area. So Romans 10 verses 9 and 10, which we already read this morning, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. 
These are all actions. These are all things that we have to do. Before I move on a little bit, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the creed itself. So who wrote this creed? Well, it wasn't, it's not in the Bible. It wasn't written by the apostles, even though it's called the Apostles' Creed. It's um, pretty much well known or believed that it was Marcellus, who was uh, a bishop at the time in about uh, 314 um, A.D. So we have many different creeds that are out there. We have the Nicene Creed, we have the Apostles' Creed, Athenian, and there's an imperial. Basically, they're all the same concept. These are statements of faith in as few words as possible that you can live by and try to help better yourself and help better others understand what it is that you and we believe. The purpose of these is the same. Affirm your faith and proclaim it. So a little bit about Marcellus, just to understand some background, is um, he presided over a council in Ancyra in about 314 that was dealing with a problem of Christians who were, they call it lapsy, Christians that had fallen away under the threat of religious persecution. Boy, we don't see that today, do we? Well, we don't see it a lot in our country, but we see a lot of people falling away. Good time to have a creed, huh? We'll get more into that. So Marcellus was already bishop at the time, and he was probably around 30 years old. Um, and he went to many of the council meetings. And through this role, he remained an important member, but he also had points of disagreement and points of contention with many of these people. He became extremely influential. And while others countered his theological ideas, um, they basically went kind of unnoted. Um, these were all a lot of verbal conversations. Part of the reason I wanted to bring this up was because uh, the deacons and deaconesses met with Pastor Tom and we prayed in the last few months about the possibility of Tom being a little bit more involved with um, our Eastern Regional Association. Selfishly, you know, we would like Tom to be here and do nothing else and grow our community for us. We're here to grow the community of this church and this body of Christ together, though. And um, we've often said we can't believe how many people that have grown up in this church have become active in some kind of a ministry. Um, I've got a number of people my age that I grew up with that are either ministers, pastors, um, in other churches. There were age groups prior to mine. Um, but this church tends to keep the scriptures alive through the people that we've raised up in this church. Um, John Gallagher was previously the president of the Eastern Regional Association. And I also wanted to just remind you that um, as this gentleman, who uh, Marcellus, who wrote the creed, I'm sure he had some help. He had some guidance from 
God because he was praying all the time. But Tom has asked, been asked to um, accept a nomination as president for the Eastern Region Association. And we told him that if he felt that that was uh, a direction that God would have him go, that he should go ahead and accept that. So just keep that in prayer as time goes on, and we'll see how that turns out, whether Tom ends up being a president of the Eastern Region Association or not. Because I find it interesting. If you notice, Tom writes a lot of things. He like, likes to write blogs, and you know, little you know, topics of things that he sends out to us. Um, unfortunately, I'm not a big reader, so I tend to glaze past that stuff on occasion. Um, but I'm amazed by words in general and how certain things can take on different meanings. Um, so Marcellus was in Rome. He was defending his teachings, much like maybe Tom would be someday if he's defending his teachings and his beliefs, and we need to hold him up in prayer daily to make sure that the words that are coming from him are the words that God has instilled upon his heart. But Marcellus was viewed as a heretic, a person that held opinions and odds with what was generally accepted. We are in the same position on a daily basis. We find ourselves at odds with many of the beliefs of the world. This creed helps us to get a little synapsis every single day, every week, every time we read it, that this is what our faith is about. So here was a man in his 30s or 40s. He had written the creed. He was more or less unchallenged. But wouldn't it be interesting, you know, this is two, 3,000 years ago. I don't know that the world is going to last that much longer. Maybe some of Tom's words will carry on at least two or 300 years. That would be kind of cool. So let's get into a little bit more of the nitty-gritty. So knowing and believing said I get intrigued by words. <clears throat> and you'll notice that in the creed, it says, I believe, I believe, I believe. So I said, well, what's the difference between knowing and believing? And I also added a little word later on, so it's not in the overhead, is accepting. So my take on this is that knowing is truthful answers to questions that we gather over time from a wealth of resources in our minds, not in our hearts, in our minds. Biblical, theological, scripture references, maybe from grandparents, from parental uh, guidance, opinions that we gather over time. Something that we learn, but what do we do with it? Accepting is kind of the same way. I accept that you know, someone has told me a certain thing. To me, that's a once and done. It doesn't seem like if I accept something that I have to do anything else with it. So here's this guy, Marcellus, who has thousands of years ago written words that I truly believe were probably God-inspired to some level because of the word believing. Believing, to me, triggers actions. It's what you do with the knowledge. How do you let it shape your life? It feels more like an ongoing, continuous, future-minded event. You know, the world's full of scholars. 
there are scholars out there that are more knowledgeable than I am, than you are, than most people that we know. But not all of them follow Jesus. They don't believe. They just know. Believe is the action. And I think that's why it's important when we say, I believe. So Matt Chandler was uh, the gentleman that Pastor Tom recommended I took a look at. Um, he hadn't seen some of the writings. And over the course of probably two months of trying to set up this uh, sermon that I was working on, I cut it down quite a bit because I can get a little wordy at, on a time or two. So I thought this was rather important. So Matt Chandler did a five-part series on the Apostles' Creed. Um, and I can give you the YouTube video if anybody's interested in watching it at some point. But he defines in a four-point outline what the importance of the creed meant to him. It develops better symmetry in all of us as Christians and a more robust understanding of the scriptures. It defines clarity in who God is to us. It informs our community to whom we believe, we, to whom we belong, and to who we follow. And it informs our counsel, both ourselves and those around us, on how we should be not judging ourselves, but how we should be reviewing our own lives and making changes so that we are better people and more righteous in God's eyes. So once again, we're not preaching the creed. We are using the creed to help preach the Bible. The creed doesn't hold in any authority at all. It just points to what's more important. And one of the examples that Matt gave on this was, um, how many of you looked at the moon at night? You know, you can see beautiful example here. On a full moon night, you know, you've got the harvest moons, you've got the pink moons, you've got all those be beautiful, great, glowing moons. And I'm always in awe that you can be driving down the road and you can see a moon come up. And as it comes over the horizon, it looks so gigantic and enormous. And the glow is just outrageously bright. And then it just kind of like parks itself up in the sky and all of a sudden it seems like it's it's there, but it's kind of lost some of that value. And as it comes over and it's that, make that first presentation, you need to remember that the moon has absolutely no light of its own. The only reason the moon shows up as bright as it is is because of the sun. It's a reflection. The only way that we have light in our lives is through God through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. We are to be that reflection. If we're not as bright and as beautiful as that moon that's coming up every morning, or every evening, excuse me, in making that presentation, that announcement, then we need to try harder. I know there's plenty of times where I just go through the day and I get to the end of the day and I'm like, oh, Goodness, Lord, I, I just didn't make enough time for you today. I'm, I'm really sorry about that. That moon comes up every single day. That moon goes down every night. 
without failure, the sun is just reflecting on it. So again, it's a tool. We, we know it. We say it. But memorizing the creed, which is something I've tried to do, you know, we know many of the scriptures in the Bible, we can repeat it. Many of us can probably repeat the creed at this point. But memorizing it does not make you a Christian. And again, to believe is the cause of taking action. To know, well, maybe you'll take some action, maybe you won't. But it's in our hearts that we confess through our mouths. It's a pledge, like in the old days. Many of us said the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't know if it's still said in the schools anymore. Good. I'm glad it is. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty, indivisible, boy, I wish that was really true anymore, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Even justice for all is a little tough. It is our justice. This is the only thing we should be leaning towards. And that's why it's so important that God is in that pledge. We're all humans. We're all creatures. We chase. We're excited. We're driven by what we love. Life experiences. What's in your heart is what drives you. So what we need in our heart is God's word. So symmetry. I'll give a quick example of symmetry. One of the, the first things that he had if you were to work out in the gym consistently, my daughters both go to CrossFit now. Um, I've been there, I've seen videos, I've watched them, and uh, you know they concentrate on one thing or another. They get really excited. Um, my youngest daughter loves to do deadlift. My oldest daughter likes to do different kinds of things. Um, so they've built up muscles in different areas of the body. You guys all know what a pear looks like. You know, it comes down like this and it curls out. But if you turn that pair over, it almost looks like a light bulb. Have you ever seen people in gymnasiums and things that look like that? Their whole upper body is nothing but muscle, but they've got these little tiny legs. They're out of symmetric order. They don't have symmetry. You know, they can bench press 400 pounds, but they have no foot power. They have no brace. They have no, um, no strength to keep themselves up. We can get that way with Jesus, too. We can be out of sync with Jesus. We can be out of symmetry with your walk in life. You can belong to God. You can belong to the Holy Church. But you can be out of sync with it. We always have to be reminded that we are worshiping a live God and not a dead God. We need to be reaching out every day, trying to find ways to make our lives in symmetry with him. Everybody's life is going to be a little bit different. You know what areas of your life have more attention than others. You know, are you spending more time you know, watching TV than you should be? Are you spending more time um, working than you should be? I know that I work an awful lot. I know I can look out here and pick about four or five other people that work just as hard or as harder than I do. And it's really hard sometimes to walk away from that. We've got to have that symmetry. 
I mean, it would be great that we were in the Word 100% of the time, but if we were truly in the Word 100% of the time and followed what it was teaching, we'd also see that, you know, we'd be out there preaching, we'd be out there helping, we'd be out there counseling, so the symmetry starts to work its way through and, and on its own. Clarity. One thing that was kind of disturbing that this gentleman, Matt, revealed was um, there was a theological temperature survey that was done, much like what Pastor Tom's doing. He's going, he's going to be talking with many other ministers and pastors, and they kind of get a feel for what's going on in the region, what's happening in New England. What, we sh what should we be doing better? Should we, should we be praying more? Should we be um, physically yeah, out there helping people more? Should we be... Um, whatever that happens to be. That's what they're there to counsel and talk to each other about. But the, the survey revealed that half the believers of Jesus Christ have accepted him as Savior. Excuse me, let me read this again. That Jesus Christ is God's Son. They have accepted Christ as Savior and the Bible is God's Word. Only half of them believe that God's word is truly true. They think that it's just a bunch of guys that got together and wrote some stuff and experiences over their lives and that it's not necessarily God's word. Problem number one. Every piece, every scripture, every word that's in this Bible is God spoken through somebody. There's not a single thing in this Bible that contradicts itself. The other half is that worshiping alone is just as good as worshiping corporately. None of the big problem. So, you know, society today just wants what they want. They don't want to have to be burdened and bothered by coming to church and spending time with others. Um, Caleb Radio had something on the other morning. They were, they were asking, how do you build community? And they were, they were serious. They were asking for advice because there were churches that were trying to do that. And I think our church is doing a pretty good job at it. You know, we've grown quite a, a, a bit as far as reaching out to community because we're building friendships. We're, we're caring about others. We're trying to help wherever we can. Um, it's family. But there are many places out there in the society today that are still so messed up that they want quick answers to everything. Um, my wife has often said to me when I come home from church, did you have fun? And I always kind of took that like, mm, it just didn't feel right. You know, I was like, did you have fun? And she's like, well, if you're not having fun, what are you going for? And I always struggled with how to answer that. But what Matt said in this was, too many people today want to be entertained. It's not about necessarily being entertained at church. You come here to be informed. You come here to be joyful. Joyful and fun are not the same. And going back to words. So words can mean so much depending on how they're used. And I think we just always need to remember to choose our words wisely. Um, my mom was pretty good at always saying, you know, bite your tongue. Think about it before it comes out of your mouth. Uh, maybe write it down on a piece of paper. 
look at it a couple of times before you write it and send it out. You know, emails, they can be dangerous, but you can recall them. The one thing I hate about a text, you send it, it's gone. There's no getting that back. So I try not to text too much. I'd rather pick up the phone, make a phone call, see somebody face to face. Clarity. I can get a lot more out of something from somebody speaking right to them face to face. Community. We just talked a little bit about community. Historically, you need to remember that with this creed, um, we are a people that are woven into something that's much larger than us. We are, from the start, um, you know, this began in Judea, in the Middle East. Jesus was told through the prophecies that a Messiah, you know, he was, he was um, excuse me, the Jews were being told through prophecies that a Messiah was coming. Then we had the Roman Empire, we had Jesus... Uh, ministry. We had the early, middle, and late ages. We have the Renaissance. We have the late modern eras. We have now the 20th century. You know, I look locally in community. We have the our church. We have the Baptist church. We have Trinity. We have St. Joe's. We have Faith Tabernacle. We have Latter-day Saints just in our five-mile community here. One of the things that Pastor Tom and the deacons and deacons and many of you as well, the missions committee, we've been trying to reach out into the community. We hold different Christian values on some topics, but there are many things that we hold dearly that are the same. And it's important for us to remember that our neighbors aren't somebody that we just ignore the fact that there's a church down the street. I mean, we love every Christian. We're supposed to love every brother and sister that is in God's world. And all the ones that even haven't come yet. And we're just, it's, it's just amazing that we are a historic people. There are so many, you know, you, you look back at Ancestry.com. I love doing an Ancestry check. I have quite a bit of information on the background of my family. But, you know, God's family is connected no matter what your bloodline is. Um, it all goes back to the first two that started. Um, Adam and Eve, and somehow we're all back to that position. Um, but community is a big part of this creed, and knowing, believing, and expressing it through, confessing it through our mouth to those that are around us. And the last thing that, ha that Matt had was counsel. It says that, that He's coming to judge the living and the dead. You know, stop and think about that for a minute in your own life. It scares the heck out of me. Sometimes not enough, because sometimes I do the same thing I did three days ago all over again. Um, I've often had conversations with Pastor Scott where I said, you know, Sometimes I, f I feel like I should be doing something different, but I don't do it different. I said, you know, if my worldly father was here right now, I said he'd be up behind my head with his hand and smacking me in the back of the head. And you're like, wake up, kid. What the heck are you doing? 
I don't get that from Jesus, you know, from God. I don't, it doesn't come that, like, matter of fact. What he's tried, what Pastor Scott tried to remind me often was, what you're losing is the relationship. And I guess the hardest thing for me at that time when I was younger was I didn't really have the relationship, so I didn't know what it was I was losing. So as counsel, this creed helps us to identify and examine our own behavior. Using methods of free thinking and free association, it can help you to take a more effective control of everyday situations and help you to improve continuously, progress. So I ask, do you believe? And I ask, do you believe in the forgiveness of sins? That can change how you counsel yourself. If you don't believe that God will truly forgive your sins, then you probably aren't going to go and ask for forgiveness in the first place. I've sinned this week. You've sinned this week. We've all sinned. I've said cruel things to people. I've not loved God. I've had reoccurring sins that I can't run from. All I need to do is go to God and ask for the forgiveness. He already knows it. I don't know what I'm hiding from. He knew I did it before I did it. So the creed helps me to think and worship properly, to gain clarity, to understand, to embrace the community, to grow in our own counsel and our counsel to others. Because as we counsel ourselves, we should always counsel ourselves before we try to counsel others. You know, the speck in your eye isn't as big as the plank that's in my own. Um, so we really need to be always considering that we need to be looking within before we look out. So with the creed, I'm going to go through a little bit of this. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. And this is where I, if you look at anything online, if you look at the piece of parchment that my grandfather had, if you look at my notes, there are so many scriptures that support each stanza. I don't know exactly which one Marcellus may have been speaking of or trying to lean towards, but we know that there are correlations between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all had similar things. So you have a lot of verses that are cross-pollinated to each other. And I'm going to choose a few of those to go through this morning. But as I say this, and as we speak the creed in the future, I want you to try to remember, I believe in God. Not I accept God. Not I know God. Things that are just present tense. I think it's incredible that the word believe instills that feeling of more to come, continuous, never-ending. It just happens that way. It's just the word, the way that it's used. So I believe in God, the Father Almighty, 
creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, and was buried. He descended to the dead, into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, alive again. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. All reasons why we need to be reading this creed. Counsel yourselves, counsel each other. Get the symmetry in your life. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church. I'm going to stop here quickly and just read a couple of... So, let's see, 1 Corinthians 12.20 was one of the... Sorry, excuse me. The body is one unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. I believe in the Holy Spirit. When I was younger and I was teaching... Uh, Mr. Morrison was a key person in this church. And I will probably never forget, he was very polite. He pulled me off to the side. I had preached or given a, a, a small class. And somehow I had said, um, I believe I said something like, the Holy Spirit, it was. And he cringed. I could kind of see it in his face. And he pulled me off into the side after. And he says, I need you to listen to me. He says, you need to find a different way in your, in your own self to remember the Holy Spirit is not in it. We believe in the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When I pray, I, don't, I, don't, I try very hard not to say the Holy Ghost. Because I don't say the Jesus. I don't say the God. And I want to treat Holy Spirit with the same reverence. Personally, I say Holy Spirit. I don't give it any title one way or the other. And that's worked for me. You know, Paul made us a comparison here that we are within, we are all one spirit. And the uniqueness of that is God is in heaven. Jesus is at his right hand right now. They are alive. The whole Holy Spirit is with us all the time, each one of us. It's still so hard to fathom and understand that, you know, the, the Trinity, they are one individual each, but they are all one in the same. But they are all with us, and that's important. But we are all one body, whether we are the local church down the street, whether we're out of this history of Renaissance, the different ages. We're all knit together as Christians, and this creed helps us to remember that. The communion of saints in Hebrews chapter 10 
verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Over the past couple of weeks, you were all in fellowship with me during my injury. Um, through prayers, through texts, visitations. Um, not only in council, but by doing chores around my house for me. And although I look like I'm fully healed, uh, my wife will tell you that I'm not supposed to be doing certain things. So if you guys still want to offer, I'll still take up the offers because every time I go out in the yard, I get yelled at. I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing. But that's a communion. That's a fellowship. It's Christians working with Christians. People come, they've cleaned my pool, they've fed my family, they've lifted me up. But what did it mean by as the, the habits as the, some of those have been getting? It said again, let me read it again. Let us not give up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing. So how do you get into that habit? Well, the habit can get pretty easy. You know, the cause of a bad habit can be sports events for your children, sports events for yourself. Um, late nights out on a Saturday. Can't get myself up on Sunday. We got one guy at work. Seems like every month he's out at least two times on a Monday. I don't know. I don't have a sick schedule that allows me to only be sick on Monday. Usually that's got something to do with my weekend. What family comes first? Does your church family come first? Or does the family that you just choose to hang around with because they're lots of fun and, you know, there, there are certain reasons that you're not going to be here vacations for, you know, whatever it happens to be. But when you begin to have habits that cause you not to be with the community of believers, that's where you counsel yourself. That's where you begin to need to start to look. What can I change? What can I do differently? So the communion is not just the communion we have here. It's the communion of saints. It's, it's being together with fellow believers. This is our reminder. The forgiveness of sins in Luke. Luke chapter 7. Oh, goodness, let me see. This would... Um, the parable of the creditors and debits. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money, a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts. Now which of them will love him more? Simon responded, I suppose the one with the bigger debt. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. It's like a game show. Ding, 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 you got it. Then he turned over to Simon to the woman and, and said to Simon, do you see this woman that came into your house? You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. 
you did not put oil on my head. She has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven loves little. Forgiveness. Again, do you believe it works? Both parties have to be willing to give up certain things. I think the lesson I learned some time ago was forgiveness is giving up your right to get even or to expect anything back. It's letting go. So the lesson that Luke records for us is that the bigger debt, forgiven much, should not be equal to a little bit of love. The women who had loved a lot had her sins forgiven. You know, love covers a multitude of sins in every situation. All the way back to that story I was telling you about the movie. The love that that woman had wasn't for that man. The love was for Christ, and she knew how she was supposed to act as a Christian woman in front of those people. It wasn't that she had to love the actions of that man. She had to love the fact that Jesus had died for her sins and given her the ability to forgive others. An example in my life, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had some stuff going on here at the church, and it was actually the Sunday that I got injured. Um, well, it was my brother. He came up to me, and he said something to me. Um, he asked me some questions. And I got, immediately I got an attitude about it. It was something that made me angry. And I don't usually get angry at my brother. And it wasn't really at him. It was just a situation. And I carried it home with me. And it ate me up. And I went into the house and my wife could tell something was different. I'm like, I just can't talk about it. I just, it's just something that aggravated me. So just before I was headed out the door, I got in the car. I said, I can't do this, God. I can't carry this. I said, I shouldn't be doing this. I can't have this. You know, I've, I've worked too many years to build this relationship back with my brother because when we were younger, we were great. He went his way. I went my way. Um, but we have a good relationship, and I didn't want that to be a burden for me or for him. So I made the phone call in the car. The forgiveness isn't just asking for forgiveness from Jesus for our own sins. It's asking forgiveness for those around us. So I called my brother and I said, look, I am really sorry. This is like heavy on me. He says, don't worry about it. He says, I get it. And just the two of us chatting for about five minutes, it was like, okay, fine. Perfect. That's over. I don't have to deal with it anymore. But I wish I was that quick to respond to God sometimes. I'll carry those burdens for weeks on end. All I got to do is go to him immediately and it's gone. Again, counseling yourself through the creed, understanding that these are the things that we need to be doing. Do you believe in the forgiveness of sins? Ongoing, daily, every day. And the resurre resurrection of the body. Romans 8. Romans 8, 21. Uh, 
excuse me, Romans 8, 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to, sin, to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but, for, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. I contemplated the resurrection of the body after I got two broken ribs, collapsed lung, broken clavicle. And honestly, it wasn't the pain from that. It was more the frustration that I could foresee the things that I couldn't do for the next few months. I will heal fine. God will see to that. But I contemplated Jesus and his broken body on the cross. And it hurt me. Not because of the fact that his legs were broken and whatever else was broken. It was because of the burdens that he carried. You know, the burden of making a, phone, a single phone call. The burdens that he carries for each one of us. For things that we've done, for things that we will do. He wanted you know, his father to take all that away if there was another way. Because he just knew what was going to be expected of him. But as I see the family of this church come around me and bless me with those things, I am reminded that we have the community of believers and we're all here to be there for one another. I had one job that day to protect Charlie because I was told that I was going to go over and watch Charlie make sure as he took that tree down he didn't get hurt. I did my job. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it was pretty amazing that in that moment when everything happened, and it happened fast, Charlie was there for me. There wasn't anything else that was going on in his life. He was by my side. He was on the ground. He was holding my hand. He took me to the hospital. He stayed with me at the hospital. He called me constantly. I know a little bit of it was concerned, but I kept telling him, yeah, it's nothing, it's no problem. But it was in that time that I began to probably be the most humble I've been in a long time. Um, I tend to be somebody that likes to just do my thing. I love to help other people. You know, ask me for help and I'll do it, but, you know, do you need anything, Chris? Nah, no, nah, I'm fine, I'm fine. It seems like God kind of basically just takes care of things on his own sometimes. He's like, if you're not going to let somebody help you do it, I'm going to make it so that somebody can help you. So, you know, back to the jocularity. I went through a whole sermon on jocularity one time, and, you know, it's the whole sermon where you want to make God laugh, tell him what your plans are, because he's going to change them. <laughs> In the life everlasting, amen. I certainly want to be part of that.
And as I close, I just wanted to remind you that with this creed, at that time and at this time, it was the greatest act of rebellion and allegiance both at the same time. They rejected the popular concept that Caesar was Lord. And they embraced God in the Bible. They didn't believe the stories of the world. We need to reject the cultures around us, the worldly cultures. We need to reject the stuff that satisfies us that isn't godly. We need to reject that there is more than one way to get to heaven. There isn't. It's through Jesus Christ, uh, God's Son. And we need to remember the Holy Spirit is with us daily. Let's pray. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for the chance to be here and to share the words and the thoughts that you've placed on my heart over the last few months. I ask, Father, that you will fill our hearts and our mouths with the words of confession that we will be able to share with others boldly what your plan for all of our lives and their lives happens to be. Help us as we read this creed in the future to be boastful of it, to be proud of the fact that it, every phrase is based on Scripture and that the words that are there are what we believe together. It's not what we accept. It's not what we know. It's what we continue to believe. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey there, Pastor Tom here. I hope you enjoyed this sermon that Deacon Chris Grissom offered to Rockland Community Church. Rockland Community Church is located at 212 Rockland Road in North Situate, Rhode Island, just around the bend from Situate Public High School. We invite you to join us in person or virtually this Sunday as we hear from the women of Teen Challenge Rhode Island. It's our joy to welcome you into our community.